Yeah, so Alicia has ran our children's ministry. How long have you ran children's ministry, Alicia? Ten years. <laughs> That's a long time, right? And come on up. Come on up. So Alicia, so Alicia was sharing with me one day. We met in my office, and she said that she really felt like she was called to go on missions. And she's like, I've known it for a long time. I just need to feed. And I said to her, don't be a, don't be a talker, be a doer, right? <laughs> I said, I'm about, and this is what I love about Alicia, is she takes initiative to do things for children's ministry. I love people that take initiative. And when I said that to her, I think it was the next week you signed up for two missions trips, right? <laughs> but so Alicia is leaving, heading children's ministry. So she's not going to lead that ministry anymore. Um, she's going to, her focus is getting on the mission field. And I'm excited about that. We're going to support her in that. We're going to be praying for her in that, right? She's been very faithful to what she's done here at the River Church, and we're excited for what God's going to do. Um, but we, I want to bring you up. So could you guys give her a round of applause? How wonderful is this, right? Yes. She's amazing. Yes, standing, standing round of applause, right? It's incredible. Yes. You, you have been very faithful. We got you a gift um, as a thank you. And can we just pray for Alicia? Lord, I thank you for Alicia and the blessing that she has been to this church and in my life. I thank you for the blessing she's been to the kids' lives, Lord. I thank you for the kids that are growing up that know who you are because this woman has come on Sundays and told them about Jesus. And I thank you for the faithfulness of her and what she has done. And I pray you bless her as she, she enters this new phase of life, this new area of ministry. And I pray, Lord, that, that the people she impacts is going to just be, go on for generations, Father, that thousands and hundreds of thousands of people will hear of your good news as she gets on the mission field. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Yes, thank you, Alicia. Of course. <laughs> yes. So that being said, Caitlin <laughs> has been Alicia's assistant for a little while now, and she is going to take over leading children's ministry. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I've known Caitlin for a while. I did, their, I did Travis and Caitlin's wedding when they first got married. I was excited. Best wedding I've ever done. It was awesome. That is not true. <laughs> but it was the best one. <laughs> you know, I love initiative, right? So when I say like, hey, someone says I have a heart for this, I'm like, okay, that's great. And then I kind of know within the first few weeks of whether it's going to be a, a real thing or not. And I mean, Caitlin came to me and said, I've got a heart for kids. Okay, great. What are your plans to do these things? And lo and behold, a week later, it was all done. And so she has just been really faithful to what God is calling her to do. So I'm excited for what God's going to use you for here at the river and leading these kiddos. Amen? Amen. Would you give it up for Caitlin this morning? Excited about that. Yes. Marriage counseling was fun with Travis. If you don't know Travis... Marriage counseling was fun with Travis, just so you know. I was a, that was a hoot. <laughs> yes. Yes, premarital counseling. Um, you guys want to get in the Word this morning? You guys ready for that? I'm excited. Um, this morning, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, next week we are starting our series on totally awesome marriage. How, how to have a totally awesome marriage. Now, if you're here this morning and you're single, I still want you to come. 
I think there's going to be good things that you can pick up out of it. So it's not just for married couples, but I think I'm excited because it's important for churches to have strong and healthy relationships. Amen. Amen. There's uh, now an older pastor who I respect very much pointed out to me, you know, the statistics are swayed and I believe that, but you know, the scary part about the church is the divorce rate is the same in the church as it is in the world, right? Like, so we need to be faithful to God's word and he wants us to have totally awesome marriages. Amen? Uh, yes. Um, but Genesis chapter two, say amen or say I got it when you get there. There's a couple. Okay. Got it. All right. There's a few of you. Most of you are going to read it on the screen. That's okay. That's okay. Genesis chapter two. Let's, let's read it. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray. Lord, I pray as I speak your word this morning that it would not be of me, that it would be led through your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, speak to the hearts of the people through your word. What you, want, what you want to communicate to them. Father, don't let me get in the way. And I pray that you would speak to everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, many people think that when they divided the Bible up into chapters and verses, that they probably got this one wrong. A lot of people think the paragraph that I just read to you, the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2, probably should have been in chapter 1. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, I think I agree with that. It, it kind of makes sense. When you go into verse 4, there, there's a clear and obvious transition. So, so it probably did belong in chapter 1. Now, in the first chapter, um, in, the, in the verses we just read, you see a very clear significance, the first chapter and the, and the ones I read, on the number 7 and the seventh day. Right? So let me just give you some fun things that I just think that are cool that it, you, you would have to read Hebrew and the original Hebrew that it was written in to, to kind of know some of these things. But for example, did, did you know that there's multiples of sevens found in the first three nouns of verse one of Genesis one? So for example, God in, is used 35 times, which of five times seven is 35. And earth, or excuse me, heavens, is used 21 times. Three times seven is 21. And, and, and earth is found 21 times also. Three times seven, 21. In the opening line in Hebrew, that first verse is seven words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Seven words. The second line is 14. It's interesting, right? Like if it's just an interesting thing. Now, the the lines that I just read to you, the first three verse, or excuse me, the the second verse and the third verse are composed of four lines in Hebrew. The first three each contain seven words, and in the middle of each one of those lines is the phrase "the seventh day." So I think that if you were reading Hebrew, you would walk away and go. The number seven is kind of important. The seventh day is kind of valuable, right? Like that's what you would walk away. In English, we walk away with that. But so more so even in Hebrew. 
God also blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. He set it apart. It's the only day that he did that for. This is the only day that it's not recorded as the evening and the morning were the first day. Did you guys pick up on that? The seventh day didn't have that. God decided to rest from his work on the seventh day. Not because he needed it, not because he was tired, but he sat back and he entered into the enjoyment of what he had created. He entered into the enjoyment of his accomplishments. You guys ever just think to yourself, life's hard, I'm tired. Anybody? I'm exhausted, right? Now, God never tires, so don't get me wrong. God never tires, but we tire, don't we? Right? The, I think the most I've ever worked in my entire life, I had the worst day of my life. I can even remember the date. It was August 3rd, 2014. That's how bad it was. And for a long time, if you would have asked me, what's the worst day of your life, I would have told you that was the date. Now, it's probably not anymore, but that was really, really tough day for me. I was opening a uh, brand new build of a McDonald's in Sandpoint, and we were, uh, we were, so we had built this brand new store. And so from mid-June until August 3rd, I didn't have a single day off. So I just worked all the way through. There was a lot of work that had to get done. It was 12, 14 hours a day. And we opened on July 28th, and it was crazy town. It was busy. Like if it, it, was, it, was, it was wild. In fact, if I remember right, we were the busiest store in the Northwest that month of August. It was wild. But August 3rd, on a Sunday, was supposed to be my first day off in all that time. Now, the corporation had this stipulation. When you open a store, for the first 10 days, you have to send sales and transactions to them. They want to track it. Well, on August 2nd, the night before we had this massive windstorm. I don't know if some of you remember it. I was talking to someone this week and they remembered it. August 2nd, we had a massive windstorm that came through North Idaho and almost nobody had power. The entire area of Sandpoint was without power, okay? So I couldn't just pull the sales and the transactions from the internet. I had to go to the store and get them myself. I arrive as they had gotten power and they were opening up the store and I'm starting to send these things, and I look up, and it felt like the entire community of Sandpoint was at McDonald's that moment. <laughs> it was wild. And here's why. This is what happened. So most of the area without power, somehow, some way, the only restaurant in town was McDonald's. <laughs> it was crazy town, right? So, so I did not get off that day until 11 p.m. that night. In fact, and then I ended up working two more solid weeks before I got another day off. I was planning on going to church that day. My wife kept calling. I didn't answer. She came to the parking lot. It took her a half hour just to drive through the parking lot. I got a phone call on Monday from the city. The city calls and says, hey, we're going to have to have a conversation here. You shut down one lane of traffic off the highway. Because you had so many people trying to get to McDonald's, which, of course, I explained to them what happened, and they were understanding. It was a lot of work. In fact, sometimes when I thought about all that work, and me and Tracy call it the summer that never was, like she never saw me, didn't get, didn't get to see who I was. I, I think of those times, and it would make me sick to my stomach. I mean, you were made to work, but you were not created to work like that. Did you know that? 
Like sometimes I think that that in America now I understand the culture's changing and some in our this next generation I'm concerned for their work ethic. But but there was a time when we were growing up in America that right you worked nonstop all the time every day, right? You worked until the job was done and there was always a job to do. Did you know that you weren't created for that? Did you know that that wasn't the the purpose you were created for? Listen, if God took a Sabbath day, if God took a Sabbath day, who are you to say, I can work through it. I can outwork it. I don't need it. You ever thought about that? It's kind of prideful, really, isn't it? Now, don't get all crazy on me. Don't, don't get all crazy on me. Don't, don't turn around and say, well, Steve said on Saturday, I have to do absolutely nothing. I have to sit on my couch. I have to read my Bible and do nothing the whole day. I did, I'm not saying that, right? In fact, I'm not even telling you you have to take a Sabbath on Saturday. I'm not even saying that. Because listen to what Colossians says. It says in chapter 2, 16, it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink. Praise the Lord because I love bacon, Right? Are with regard to the festival, are a new moon, are a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And what I want to talk to you this morning about is the significance of weekly Sabbath rest. Now, Jesus addresses emergency situations, so that's covered. We'll talk about that another day. But weekly, regular Sabbath rest and I have four points for you as why the Sabbath is significant. The first one, the Sabbath is significant because God tells us to take it. God tells us to take it. It's part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So this is, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. And he says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourn who, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Not only did we, did we get this command, but we got it in the top 10. It's sitting in the 10 commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath. Think about this. It's listed with do not commit adultery and do not murder. That's how important it was to God, right? It's the longest of the Ten Commandments. God did not want us to forget this. Now, if you look at all the other commandments, the other nine, you break one, there's consequences, right? As we're going into the marriage series, if you commit adultery, there's consequences. If you murder, there's consequences. Yet when it comes to a weekly Sabbath rest, we go, "Dah, really, are there any consequences? What does it matter? And I want you to know there are consequences associated without taking rest. You will not be well physically, emotionally, spiritually. We got to do it. The second, second point I have for you about Sabbath rest and why it's significant is that it's a witness to unbelievers. It's a witness to unbelievers. Genesis 31 says this, or excuse me, Exodus 31. 
You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Talk about consequences, right? Whoever doesn't, does any work on it, that, that soul shall be cut, cut off from among his people. Six days shall, shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy is the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall, shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbaths, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign. This is where we get this idea that it's a sign. It's a witness to unbelievers. Forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. One of the major witnessing signs, the clear difference between heathen nations and the nation of Israel, the one that served the one true God for, for thousands of years, was Sabbath rest. Right? What did, what did Israel do that was different from the heathen nations? Well, one of the clear things were they didn't work on, sun, they didn't work on Saturday, did they? Sabbath rest. It was a witness to unbelievers that the people of God could be as productive as unbelievers in six days as they could be as in, in seven. That the people of God could be as profitable in six days as they could be in seven because of God. It's a witness. It's a witness. Now, you'll notice that at the end of these verses, it says he, he rested and was refreshed. God was rested and refreshed. Now, from a theological perspective, that doesn't make sense, right? Why is that in there? Because God does not tire. He didn't have to rest, right? We understand this. He's God. He didn't need to rest. I think it makes sense, though, when you look at it in Hebrew. In Hebrew, okay, so when God speaks, he, he speaks for, for six days. He creates everything. What do you do when you speak? You exhale, right? You exhale. So, so when, when, you, when, when you're speaking, you're exhaling. Have you ever had just a moment where you say, I need to catch my breath? Say, I just need to catch my breath. We all have those moments, right? Well, this Hebrew word means to take a breath, to breathe in. Everybody do it. Take a breath. Exhale. That's what this Hebrew word means. That's what it's pointing to. So doesn't it make sense that for six days God spoke and then he took a breath? He exhaled and then he inhaled, right? I want you to know that if you take a Sabbath rest weekly, that you are taking a breath. And sometimes we feel like in this life that we get no break and I just need it to slow down and to catch my breath. Well, guess what? If you take a Sabbath rest you will be catching your breath. The, the question that gets asked often, well, what can't I do on a Sabbath rest? You're, you're asking the wrong question. It's not the question. It's, it's what you should do on a Sabbath rest, right? So don't get all legalistic and crazy about this, right? Do what refreshes you. The answer is don't do anything work-related. If you want to go golfing, go golfing. If, if, if cooking refreshes you and relaxes you, do that. Do what refreshes you and relaxes you. It's important. The third point I have for you this morning about the significance of a Sabbath rest is that 
This shows God to be your source. It shows God to be your source. Let's read about when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were trying to get to the promised land and God provides for them. Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Why twice as much on the sixth day? Because they were supposed to rest on the seventh. God provides, right? He makes provisions for what he asks his people to do. Skip down to verse 27 with me. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Taking a Sabbath rest says, I trust God. I could work seven days a week, but my provision doesn't come from me. It comes from God. And I want to be obedient to him. I read a story this week about, from uh, Bruce Wilkerson. He was uh, talking, to, he's, a, he's a longtime pastor, and he was talking to a younger youth, our younger ministry leader, and he was, this ministry leader was asking him questions, trying to gain some insight and principles into his own ministry, right? So Bruce answered a lot of questions for him. They spent a lot of time together. And Bruce, at the end of it, said, let me ask you, let me ask you one question. And he said, said to this young man, how many donors do you have? He said the, 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 the younger pastor started thinking about it, calculating it. And he said, oh, you're taking a long time to calculate that. And the young man apologized to him and said, well, let me, let me think about it. If you give me just a few minutes, I think I can calculate it. And he said, that tells me that you're off. The young man looked at him and, he, and Bruce, Bruce Wilkerson said this, the mere fact that it's taking you this long to respond tells me you're not approaching it right. You only have one donor. Now, the one works through the many, but the only donor that matters is the one. The person just gives the ministry what the one has given. Your donors aren't your source. Your true source is only God. And I think that's a lesson that we could all learn, isn't it? It's a lesson that all of us need to know. Your source is not your job. It's not your employees. It's not your boss. It's not your business. Your source is God and God alone. And when you say to yourself, I trust in that, Jesus, I believe you're my source, it's so much easier to take a Sabbath rest. It's so much easier to work six days and not seven. It becomes so much easier when you believe that and you trust in that. It causes you to take that breath. The final point I have for you this morning about the significance of the Sabbath is that it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Jesus teaches us this in Mark chapter 2. He says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, and the high, the high priest and ate the bread of, of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, 
and also gave to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus makes it clear here. The Sabbath was created for us to rest. That's why it's important that we take it. Not the other way around. We weren't created for the Sabbath. And when you think of it in those terms, it really makes a difference. We, people that tithe understand this, right? People that tithe understand that God can do more with 90% than I could do with 100%. And once you understand that, that, that I can be more productive and profitable in six days than I can in seven, hello Chick-fil-A, right? Once we really understand that we, and we believe that, it's so much easier to walk in that blessing. God designed you to have Sabbath rest. It's not, not just a ritual. It's not something that is, is like, oh, it's a ritual. You have to observe it. It's not like that. He wants you to have it. It's a blessing to your life. I have to tell you, I got a confession to make. I am not good at this. This is, not, is it okay to just admit that I am not perfect at this? Is that okay? Like sometimes we have this idea that the man behind the pulpit is like perfect. That is so far from the truth. Typically, there's not a day, not a, a day that goes by that I don't spend at least three or four hours doing something church related. Now, some of you, you come to church and, and, and it's not your job. It's not what you do every day. And that refreshes you and relaxes you. That's wonderful. That's the way it should be. But I, but I work here and I do it every single day. Now, granted, I have the greatest job in the world, just in case you didn't know. This is the greatest job in the world. But when you do it every day, it's, it's work, right? And I am not good at this. I, I try to take Saturdays off because that's the day my wife is, is off of work. For the most part, there's not a Saturday that goes by that I don't put three to four hours in the church. If I'm being honest with you, though, it is probably much, much more than that. And then this Christmas season hit. This New Year season hit, and there was multiple days in a row that I didn't do anything but spend time with my family. And I was seriously convicted over this. You know what happened to me? I started thinking clearer. I started physically, I felt better. I, I, I emotionally felt better. Spiritually, I felt better. I literally, I literally started sleeping better. All because I had some days off where I, where I just focused on my family did things around the house. It made such an impact in my life. I'm like, I got to change some things. Like I'm a better, I get more done when I have rest than thinking I can work seven days a week. It's so important. But I want you to know that there's a, there's a rest that you can find as a believer, as a Jesus follower, that's not available to unbelievers. There's a, there's a spiritual rest you can also find as believers. And so, you know, we love to quote Psalm 23. It's famous funeral service quote, right? People post it all over social media. But listen to the words of this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
there is a spiritual rest that you can enter into. That when the Holy Spirit floods your soul, that is not available to unbelievers. They can bring you peace. They can bring you comfort like you've never experienced before. Jesus taught us that, this, that he, can, he, can, he can do this for us. He did not teach us this so that we could work ourselves to death. He didn't do that. In fact, in Matthew 11, he says this, Come to me all who are labor and heavy, are heavy laden. Excuse me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If the worship team wants to come up. There is a rest in knowing that your sins are forgiven. That your provision comes from God. There's a rest that the Holy Spirit can give to your soul that is only available to those who follow Jesus. One of the things for my life that I try to hang my hat on, this is what I remind myself often, as I say, to my, say often to myself, Steve Karst does not grow the church. And do you know how much comfort that brings? Steve Karst does not grow the church. God grows the church. I don't have to worry about the numbers and I don't have to worry about the depth of people's walk. I mean, I do, right? When God leads me. But he's the one responsible for that. I'm just the vessel. And you know what that does for me? Hey, it's great. I'm just, I'm just following Jesus. That's all I'm doing, just like everybody else. But let me ask you this. What is it in your life that you need to just enter that spiritual rest in? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your business, your family. I don't know if y'all ever been stressed out by family. I have. Give it to God. Not my responsible, not my responsibility. You know, I got news for you. I'm only responsible to being a good father and telling my kids about Jesus. That's my job. His job is to see them saved. That's it. That's it. And when you just give that to God, you know how much pressure is off your shoulders at that point? Do you know how, how much of a relief that is in your life? Right? You just hand it over to Jesus. There is a spiritual rest that is available to you that is not available to unbelievers. The Sabbath was created for you. You were not created for it. It's not just a ritual. Sometimes we have this idea of like, okay, if I don't do these things, God's going to smite me. So I got to make sure that my food is prepped so that I don't cook. Right? Have you, seen, have you seen people that do this? I have, I have to make sure that, that I, I, I probably get away with opening the door, but I can't drive my car because that's probably too much work. That's not what this is all about. The Sabbath was created to be a blessing to you. Utilize it. God wants you to walk in it. This is what I want you to do this week. And, and some of us, we're going to have some steps to take. Like, Sometimes we can't just drop everything we're doing, right? I understand that. I fully get that. But what can you start doing today to make sure that you have a day off from the week? That you can refresh and relax and spend time with Jesus. What, what does that look like? And start taking the steps to make that happen. And I promise you, sometimes we are, we're sick and tired because we're overworked. 
And as you begin to lay those things down, you will be healthier emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I promise you in that. If you want to stand to your feet as I pray, we're going to close with the song today. Is that okay? Yeah. You know, the Sabbath is a blessing to us, so I thought we'd close with the joy of the Lord. Right? We could use some joy of the Lord. Amen? It's cold out there. So as I, as I pray, they're going to they're gonna sing a song, and once the song's done, you're dismissed after that. But, but uh, let, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the Sabbath rest. I thank you that you had our well-being in mind, Lord, that you created it for us, Lord, not the other way around. And Jesus, I pray that every person in this room, as they begin to take steps to, to have a day off and feel refreshed with you and spend time with you, that they would do just that, Lord that you would make that happen, Lord. We thank you that your people are more productive and more profitable in six days than people that, that work themselves to death seven because we obey your commands, Lord. In Jesus, we love you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.